Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 40. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, joined by Ramsey Thompson. Justin will be joining us a little bit later. We are broadcasting from the Riverwood Gallery and Minga True Value Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. Ramsey, how you doing, buddy? Awesome. How are you guys doing tonight? Eh? After this weekend? Eh? Lots of positives, but... Uh, Did something bad happen? Yeah. I would have never, really, never guessed that. Really sour taste in the sports mouth after, uh, after Sunday. But lots of good things that we'll talk about well before that. So we'll cover a lot of positives before we get into a lot of the negatives. So with that, we start off our episode with what we always started off with. Got to talk about our partners over at Monkey Knife Fight, Raise Energy. Monkey Knife Fight, if you're pay- playing along with the contest... I made some money on Thursday night. A little $2 buy-in on the contest called the Touchdown Dance, Ramsey. And the Touchdown Dance is you pick three players, and they have to combine for either one-and-a-half touchdowns, two-and-a-half touchdowns, or three-and-a-half touchdowns. And all the other ones have various levels of money that you can win, depending on what you buy in. What players did you buy in with? So my winning one, I did two. I kind of hedged my bet. The two $2 contests. The one that won was I got two touchdowns out of Rob Gronkowski. Nice. And Mari Cooper. Oh, yeah. So that was, big that was good for Eric. And took home a win. Took home some cash. So play along with our partners over there. Also raise energy. Strawberry lemonade's back. Strawberry lemonade? What? Yeah, the strawberry lemonade flavor is back. The white peach flavor, still rocking strong. So go over there, try it out. You can get a free four-pack, just pay for shipping. If you like what you try. It's definitely worth the four-pack. Oh, definitely. Like, wherever your shipping is, get it. It's worth Without the, a doubt. Worth the cost. It's definitely, uh, what, $10 to ship it? At like 8 Yeah, it's definitely worth $8 of fun. Right. And then from there, if you like what you try, or if you want to try some different flavors... Check it out, repsports.com, code root for R-O-O-T, number four. That's R-O-O-T, number four, 15% off any order, raise energy, or go for the protein bites, the raise cakes, they're called, or, or maybe you go with some sleep supplements. It's really a lifestyle. They got clothes. So really, I mean, you could chug a raise right before you go to bed because you just love it so much, and then take the sleep supplement and just go right to bed. I, I don't think that'd be the way to do that. Medically speaking, but... I don't think you can tell me how to live my life. I'm not going to try to. I have learned that lesson a long time ago. It only works when you're drunk. And only then it's like a 50-50 shot. That's what I was saying. That's even not guaranteed, is it? So try it out. Clothes, hats, shaker bottles, you name it, it's there. Stickers. Get some cool decals for your vehicle. Whatever. Your next project. That's repsports.com. Raise energy. Code root form. I guess we should probably talk about some sports and stuff, you know. Um, we start off with the positives. What we had rooted for, I'll take the lead on this one. And Rams, you want to know what I rooted for this last week? What did you root for? Fantasy football's back. I forgot how much I missed fantasy football. Every year, I do it. In one league, I usually do pretty well. Not always. And then... Usually in my other leagues, I do okay. You know, I, I did get a podium last year in one league. That's all that matters. Actually, I think two leagues. So, took home two podiums last year. And it just makes watching not Packer games a lot more fun. 
when you've got like a little bit of something. Probably the next Packer game is entertaining at this point. Yeah, yesterday I did not. So, as as our listeners know, we have our listener league, and Shauna found out the first hand of why you don't really tie two players together like teammates. You know who she started yesterday, Ramsey? Who she started yesterday? Aaron Rodgers and Mason Crosby. Yeah, you know, it should have worked. It should have worked. That's absolutely it correct. It should have worked. You know what's so funny, though? So she's still projected for a win right now. And she is also projected to outscore Justin. Justin is Justin did not do so hot this weekend. I didn't do pretty hot this weekend. You also started Odell Beckham Jr., who was inactive. I didn't realize. I thought he was active until I was watching the game, <laughs> watching superstar Baker Mayfield. And uh, then I'm like, where's Odell? And then I looked, I'm like, damn it. Yeah, that was not a good look for you, buddy. The Lana fan club. Who's that? She's an actress. No. Interesting. I, I, I thought so, too. But yeah, not a, not a good start for, for you and Justin, for that matter. I almost won, though. You did. With a 0% from... Uh... But Justin is, uh, is really taking one on the chin right now. He's losing to Team Fifield. So shout out to Jordan Fifield right now, just kicking the tar out of Justin. It's 129.96 to 69.8. <laughs> Granted, Justin still has Lamar Jackson going tonight, and uh, the kicker from the uh, Raiders, Daniel Carlson. So there is a chance. Probably not. It's not looking good. Justin is projected for 98.5 points. That's embarrassing. And he would still lose by 30. Is his name Coach Kickass? Coaches as kickers. A-Z-Z instead of ass. He doesn't want to get profanity. Me neither. And then Shauna over here is a 89% likelihood to win with a 1.3 performance out of Aaron Rodgers, who got also outscored by the kicker Mason Crosby. What a dumpster fire that is. And Shauna is projected to win 123.2. There is a chance, or her opponent... Has Mark Andrews playing for Baltimore tonight? The down by friend. 20 right now. Tight end. Tw- tight end for Baltimore. So down by 20. So it is possible. It is unlikely. So that's that game in the Listener League. Ramsey, as mentioned, is losing and going to lose the ball. Everyone's wrapped up in that game. Yeah, I think that's already... Uh... And then in the last game of the league, uh, Team Ladubek is beating Team Moeller with a 90% chance to win. Zach Ledubek has Darren Waller playing yet tonight. And barring something crazy, should win. Unless Justin Tucker just decides to go off. So one Which guy's is also always possible, especially with... Uh... One guy going in each of those games. Uh, projected right now for me to beat Tyson, where if the Baltimore defense holds out. As of right now, I have a win. Also, uh, not great news on Josh Jacobs, who's been battling a non-COVID-related illness all day. So, like I said, just makes all these other non-Packer games and even sometimes Packer games more entertaining. So that's what I was rooting for this week. And also giving an update on our Listener League. I'm sure that's going to do great for views. Oh, yeah. No, I, I've got... <laughs> you wait till my Nuggies of the Week. I have multiple. Oh, boy. What did you root for this weekend, Ramsey? A little bit of NASCAR, as normal. Talk to me about it. Was Richmond this week? Richmond. Uh, Joe Gibbs. It was basically a Joe Gibbs performance. Chase Elliott kind of had a rough pit stop <sighs> midway through stage two. So it was basically uh, Joe Gibbs versus 
had our the field. Yeah, pretty much. It was uh, Denny Hamlin probably the best car. He got off a little bit on pit sequence there at the end. Right. And Martin Trips Jr. was just a little bit faster with last 60 laps or so. You know, one thing I noticed, and, and I was kind of surprised it, t- it was so early, but also at the same time not surprised at all, uh, Kyle Larson clinching points and being in the round of 12, which is something we talked about two weeks ago, that basically as long as you don't lay a complete turd being in that first place position of the playoff standings, as long as you don't lay a real turd, you're pretty much guaranteed to get in. He got in like halfway through the Richmond race. So he, race two of the playoffs, he's already in the next round without winning. He a race. actually got in just starting the race. Fair enough. It was just starting the race. He made it to, which again, it's kind of a, I don't know. Kyle Larson's pretty much guaranteed to make the championship four, barring a really bad three-week stretch. Right. So as long as he doesn't lay a complete deuce. I mean, he should be a championship four driver. Should right. be. So speaking of complete deuces, the, pit, the Green Bay Packers. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, so that segment is sponsored by Fanatics. That wasn't kidding, though. I know. That, spot, that, that segment, though, is sponsored by Fanatics. Whether you're on top of the world, like our Milwaukee Brewers, who we're going to talk about in a few moments, will clinch the playoffs before you hear our voices again after hearing this initially. Check out their playoff gear that's coming. Still got Bucks Championship gear if you haven't gotten in on that. If you still want to buy Green Bay Packers gear, it's still there. Why? So all that. Fanatics over 300 powered stores. Check it out. Fanatics.com. Hashtag love on. With the positives, we go to the negatives. And I, there's a lot of them. This weekend, which really, like I said, if you really look at the Wisconsin weekend in sports, really there shouldn't be that many. But I've got a couple. And I'm sure you have a couple brewing here, too. Can we just give one to the Packers right off the bat? Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's going to happen first. Before we do that, though, before we get into our, our noogies based on performance, I'm going to give two preemptively. I'm going to give one preemptively to our listeners because I'm sure the rest of this episode, however long is left, it's only going to get worse from here. So if you're really in here for the long haul, my hat goes off to you, but you probably deserve a little bit of a noogie. That's fair. I'm also going to give a preemptive nugget to Packer fans. And not for my usual reason of the stupid wave, which I'm sure is going to be coming back in full force on offense this weekend <sighs> because people are pissed off and stupid. But my preemptive way or my preemptive nugget, which I hope I'm wrong on. I haven't officially given this nugget. This is a this is getting in the headlock and just kind of teasing it. Haven't given a full nugget for this yet. My preemptive noogie for Green Bay Packers fans. There has been a lot of trash takes out there this week. A lot. In this last 24, 48 hours, right? There's been some that are accurate, and we'll get to those throughout the episode. We have, you know, we'll talk kind of factor bullshit, basically. Whether it's a legitimate concern or if it's overreaction, which I feel like a lot of it's going to end up being overreaction. But I just want to say this before the rest of the season happens. I will not bet against Aaron Rodgers until I pro- I'm proved wrong. He's kind of got that Tom Brady, R-E-L-A-X, no, he run the table. We're not allowed to compare. Uh, that's a new rule on the show. We're not allowed to compare Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady. Oh, we are. Just, no, just hear me out. Hear we're me out. not. Hear Tom me. Brady doesn't do that. Hear me out. Patrick Mahomes doesn't do that. Baker Mayfield didn't do that. Hear me out. Dak Prescott didn't do that. Dak Prescott, for what it's worth, has never done that. Tom Brady's never done that. Aaron's done it three times. 
So from this point forward, the new rule on the show is we are not allowed to compare Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady unless Aaron Rodgers wins seven Super Bowls in a row, and then we can talk. Hear me out. Aaron Rodgers is one of the most talented people to ever play quarterback. Yeah, but he's a head case. He may be. They were down 17, and the game was over. He may be. They got down 17 points. It was over. didn't matter. Whatever happened the rest of the game, it was over down 17. Aaron does not come back from deficit. Patrick Mahomes comes down from 12 down against a much better team. Hear me out. No. Aaron Rodgers is one of the most talented people to ever play quarterback. Sure. He's, he's not a winner, though. He's won a Super Bowl. Sure. Ten years ago. Fine. He's overcome one of the greatest regular season comebacks. Week one against the Bears. Uh, again, it's against the Bears. They weren't a playoff team that year. Actually, I actually think they were. That was the year of the double doink. It wasn't a good playoff team. It was still a, pretty, it was still a legitimate division winner. He's a bad man. I will not bet against him. Average man. I will not bet against him in the long run until I see the wheels completely come off. Yesterday was one bad game. Things will be okay. So for people trashing the Green Bay Packers, until, until we see the wheels com- fall completely off, the Green Bay Packers, as, as terrible as it is, are good for probably one or two of these a year in the regular season. We have a 17-week season. The rest of the division is also 0-1, so you really didn't lose any ground there. This is a division that, for all intents and purposes, Green Bay should run away with in the long run. Gonna be fine. R E L A X. Yeah, so, they didn't want to roll that year either. They did not. It'll be okay though. So that's my preemptive. I'm just giving Packer fans get all the crappy takes out of your system. I'm not Aaron Rodgers. Overreact. Later. Overreact all you want. Get it all out. From this point forward, we have 16 games left, just like a normal season up to this point. It'll be okay. Can we go back to the rule, though? We're not allowed to compare Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady. Or Patrick Mahomes, for that matter. Or Russell Wilson. I disagree, but... He is more talented than all three of those. Yeah, but he's not a winner. You can be as talented as you want. By definition, Johnny as Man- much as a Johnny win- Manziel was extremely talented. He is as much as a winner as Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes right now. Yeah, how many comfort behind wins does Aaron have? Quite a few. Yeah, but it's like shockingly low compared to everyone else. Quite a few. It's not enough. Well, I'm saying R-E-L-A-X. So with that, my actual nugget of the week, the thing that bothered me the most probably of this weekend is the Packers front office, and I know that you're going to be fired up about this take. The Packers front office, and coaching staff for that matter too, but this is mainly on the front office, got exposed yesterday. I've been saying that for, what, six months now? I've been echoing and that for been, about six months. Justin's the only one who doesn't agree with that. Right. He thinks they're doing great. Right. So I'm kind of glad he's not here for this yet. But also I kind of want, want the confrontation. So I, we're just going to kind of power through this. I'm sure we'll touch base on it throughout the episode when Justin comes back just to piss him off a little bit. So... Uh, we are at about the 16-minute mark, Justin, if you're you're listening to this on Wednesday or you know, Tuesday or whenever you listen to the episode. This is your warning before with the warning. The Green Bay Packers front office got 
exploited this weekend, got exposed this weekend for the same shit Ramsey and I predicted for the last six months. You cannot expect different results if you do the same thing. Bring the same roster back. With one different linebacker and a couple of draft picks. You sign Kevin King. I, I can't even give Kevin King that big of a noogie right now. I, as much as I want to. When he was sucking it up yesterday, got exposed and beat three times on deep balls for touchdowns. Lost coverage, got beat on deep balls for first downs, touchdowns, whatever. I, I was thinking to myself, I can't even enjoy the bad, t- the bad Kevin King. And, like, rub my hands together because they're getting their ass kicked. Because of how bad the front office is right now. And running the same stupid team. Giving Kevin King $6 million. If you're Kevin King and someone says, hey, come back to us for $6 million. We don't even care if you can actually play or not. Absolutely. I'm all... Kevin King is still stupid. But he's not that stupid to turn down $6 million to come back and suck. No, because he knows... He's not going to get benched, right? He's not going to get benched for Eric Stokes first year. No. He Eric should. Eric Stokes... Eric Stokes, I think, had two snaps yesterday. I noticed he was on the field, though. The only time I noticed Kevin King's when he's getting burnt. Because it seems like that's what it always is. Like, if there's blown coverage, yeah, it's Kevin King. Almost exclusively. So, yes, I was all fired up to have a Kevin King sucks. This is what I've been preaching for months on end. And for years on end, secretly, just not on Twitter. I've been, I wanted to have that take yesterday. I wanted to have that take on this show. But the stupid front office won't let me because of the ineptitude of bringing him back for $6 million. Well, it's not even his fault. It's Brian Gutekinds. The front, I, I've determined even after yesterday, the defense was a shit show and a half. And we'll get to some positive. We'll, we'll talk Packers more in the episode later. So I'm going to make this quick. Mike Patton, I don't think, was at fault last year. No. Joe Barry proved that yesterday. I was big on Joe Barry in training camp. And granted, that's training camp, that's practice. You're not really seeing it in a game. I don't think it's, it, it's not the coordinator. No, it's just the lack it's of. It's the lack of talent. This team, outside of probably about five guys maybe on that defense, isn't that good. And that's the sheer reality of it. Jair Alexander is a difference maker. Kenny Clark is pretty good. Zaire, or Jair, or excuse me, Darius Smith is pretty good. Adrian Amos is pretty good. Outside of that, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of a average to slightly above average, I would yeah, say. Yeah, not a championship-winning defense. No. And, again, that comes down. I don't know if that's Mike or Matt LaFleur saying this is the guy I want, if that's just the front office kind of panicking and, and being in a position where any coordinator they would have wanted because the Packers go so late in the year was already taken. That's who they had kind of brought it down to. I don't know what happened in those interviews. I don't, you know, we talked about Jim Leonard should have been probably the guy and then turn it down. But I, don't, I think he turned it down, though, not... Without a doubt. And I get right? it. I get it now. Right. And, you know, they, I feel a little bit bad because we bashed Mike Patton pretty good. But then you look at, you look at yesterday's shit mess. Then, I don't think it was his fault. I don't think he helped the situation. Justin is going to join us now at the perfect time. But I don't think that it's just. It's a mess. Straight up a mess. So before we get to Ramsey's Noogie of the Week, we're going to introduce Justin. The Packers, that's my Noogie. 
All right. Well, well let's get to Justin's hey, right now, too. What a bomb. And finally joining us, here's Justin. Justin, how are you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. I uh, had a good practice today. We're finally back to full pads. Uh, we got a full squad. The COVID thing has kind of passed us by. And got a couple guys that are yet to come back. But we're going to be a full goal. We're playing a game this week. I'm excited. I'm excited to get back on the sidelines, uh, see what the progression is going to be. And, you know, just take them one day at a time with these guys. And, and, and we're working. So had a little bit of a dad thing to do here and get the kid to bed and and uh, got a babysitter for the other one, and wife will be home soon, so life's pretty good. So, all right, very good. Now, now, I'm, now I'm able to join you guys. Well, that's very good to hear because now we're going to go straight from the good news into the bad news. You joined us right in the time for our Noogie of the Week. I gave good. preemptive ones to the Rupert Wisconsin Show Nation because if they're still listening to this, that is on them. I gave some to Packer fans because there's a lot of overreactions this week. And then I went after the Packers front office. Ramsey went after just the Packers in general and Aaron Rodgers a little bit. He really didn't say much. You, you were joining right in the middle of his, but he really didn't have much to say about it. So just getting caught back up here. Justin Dahl, what is All your right. Noogie of the Week? My Noogie of the Week, boys. This one is going to hit hard. All right. My Noogie of the Week is Craig Council. Oh, your boy, you do not, you do not, Craig Council, you do not do to Corbin Burns what you did to Corbin Burns in the middle of an eight inning, no hit, almost a perfect game. And this guy's chasing a Cy Young. I don't care if you're chasing a ring. All right. That is a month away from now. I don't care about it. This guy is chasing a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and throwing a no-hitter while chasing a Cy Young. All right? You cannot do what you did to Craig Council. I get what what you're going to say, Eric, that the, the bigger picture down the road, blah, blah, blah. If that's the case, let the guy skip the next start. Let him skip it altogether especially if you think that they're going to sink in and, and, and cover the, 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 the central championship or the whatever you call it, championship. But you cannot do to Corbin Burns what you did to Corbin Burns. That's just terrible. It's terrible. Here's I, I don't, I, you know, I'm a novice. I understand. You just can't do it. You, that's, you don't get that chance every, every stinking day. You don't do it. Well, I mean, you do get that chance every single start. <laughs> well, you just got to be good. <laughs> like, right. Okay. Checkmate, I get what Justin. you say, but. Like, yeah, you do. You know what I mean. All right. So let's just transition this with my rebuttal. We're, we're going to switch into our roundtable around Wisconsin right into what's brewing with Eric. So for those of you who may live under a rock, the Brewers had a combined no-hitter on Saturday for their second no-hitter in franchise history. Corbin Burns went eight, gave up a couple. I think he had one walk, maybe two. Um, one walk. One walk. You're right. He had 13 strikeouts, if my math is correct. 14. There you go. 14 strikeouts on 115 pitches, Justin. 115 pitches. I don't care. 
I don't really care. I don't care if he threw 200. He's got a no-hitter. He's almost got a perfect game. You don't take him out. Here's why you're wrong on that front, too. Here's why you're wrong, Justin. For what? Justin, let's listen to the baseball nerd here of why you're wrong. So to that point, Corbin Burns' command was slipping a little bit. To that point, in seventh inning, eighth inning, that command was going a little south. Statistically speaking, once you hit that third time through the lineup, bad things happen. That's when the teams usually, if they're going to mount a comeback or if they're going to hit you, that's when they're going to hit you. So the fact that the command was slipping, the fact that the pitch count was that high, and you have the best closer in baseball to win a game when the Reds lost, no. to get closer to that division title, to close in on the number one seed in the National League, when that's all at stake, when you're still chasing the no-hitter as a whole, you go to Josh Hader. You're Dude, you're up 14 <laughs> games in the, in, in the division. You go to Josh Hader. Games. What the hell are you worried about that you need to save the game and not give the guy an opportunity to go for a no-hitter? You go to Josh are Hader you, when the you, pitcher, when Corbin and Burns. There's no way Josh Hader is the best closer in the in the league. No. Oh, no, Justin. No. Justin. No. Justin. No. He Justin. is absolutely not. And you don't take Burns out. It's a terrible decision. What if it was I Corbin Burns' care. decision? Which it very much, very likely was. There was a big factor of his decision in that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. Listen to the press conferences, Justin. I, I still don't believe it. That's up I to you. I believe that he's probably, I believe he probably says it just to save counsel's ass. If, if Corbin Burns isn't one of those guys, he's been very outspoken his time in Milwaukee. Corbin Burns wouldn't probably care about that. Corbin Burns cares about this team, and his arm was probably about to fall off at 115 pitches. Oh. I don't care if my arm's hanging off by a thread. I'm going for the no-hitter. I think I'm going to just right? on this one. Like, like I get it. Anyways, you got to be kidding me here. Because how many no-hitters is there, is there in baseball even? This year, there's been quite a few. This, this was the MLB record ninth no-hitter this uh, season. Okay, so... So if he goes out there and he gives up a hit to the first batter he sees, then it doesn't. It's not a no hitter anymore. Sure, then he can sit down. So what's the point? Then he can sit down. Council made lose. the right decision. Run it till the wheels fall off. Council made the right decision. I think that if you if you weren't up fourteen games, right. If if it was like you're up, but two. if you're you're going for you're not the division doesn't matter at this point. You're going for a number one home field advantage throughout the playoffs. You don't want the one seed. Why don't you? Because the two best teams are coming out of the West, and one of them's got to be the wild card. You want to be the two seed. You you always want that home field. That's been that's been very blatant. But that's like, also saying that the Brewers aren't that good. They are good enough to contend with either one. And then you, you still have to play them either way. So I, I don't see what it matters. You want home field. I would rather play because the weaker if the, team first. The Brewers keep going the right they're on. They very likely could be the best team in baseball record-wise. They would have home field advantage throughout the World Series. Because they don't play for that in the All-Star game anymore. 
So not only do you have the division series, the championship series, and the world series, you have all three of those combined. You're going for home field. You've got to play the best team in the West at some point more than likely anyway. Is one game going to make that difference? Right. It, it could. Here's why. Out of, Here's out of why. 162. If Corbin Burns injures that arm. What if he doesn't? What if, if he doesn't, then fine. But if, if he's put in a spot where he's at risk for that, when you're going for a World Series with the best, statistically speaking, the best Brewers team that's ever really been put together, franchise records week after week, you have three of the best starting pitchers in baseball. You have the best closer in baseball right now, Justin and Ramsey. Absolutely not. You have Absolutely the best not. closer in baseball. You have one of the better bullpen arms in the game with Devin Williams. And then you have Boxberger in there. And then you have two guys who are contributing on a big level, big time right now between Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser, who could be a spot starter or could come out of the bullpen if you need three innings or two, three innings at a time. Yeah, let me be a spot, a spot starter over Carbon Burns. That's... That that's just that ain't it, Ramsey. You could. You said it could be a. Uh, power, uh, if you're going for a World Series, this is absolutely the right move to make. Yeah, but he has a month off. He doesn't have a month off. That's right. But he has a month for the World Series. Why? Why can't? Why can't he skip a start and then recuperate that way? Because then you get thrown out of rhythm. Like, Baseball's a big game about rhythm, guys. Oh Habits. my god. Big game about rhythm. You've getting no hitters. Shit me. You have got to be shitting me with this. You let the guy throw for the no hitter. If the if he gives up a base hit in the first at the first at bat, then you pull him. What's the big freaking deal? I so I will say this: a, if it was Corbin Burns's decision to come out, I'm fine with it. 115 pitches. You have the at the very least, Justin. You have one of the top five relievers in baseball. If you don't think he's the best closer, I mean, you haven't been watching all year. I'll give you that. I'll he give is you a that. top I'll five top reliever. Five. Top three, probably. Statistically speaking, he's the best, one of the best closers in baseball. You have that guy. You have to have him face three batters, and he did. Absolutely. Just close it down. Get that no-hitter for the team. Oh, you're saying there was only three more batters left? Yeah. It was in the eighth inning. Hater pitched the ninth. He, he, he was going for the top of the ninth. Three more innings or three more batters? Three more at-bats? Potentially. Let's just say six. You're fine. So that goes from 115 to, what, 130? Potentially. Okay. That's already past his career high. Sure, but that's count. only 15 more pitches. Your arm has 15 more pitches in it. You never know. Anyway, oh so that's what's brewing with Eric. We have, before, like I said earlier in the episode, before, the, before we record again, you'll hear our voices this week. Before we record again, the Brewers will be National League Central. Without a no-hitter. With a no-hitter. They got the no-hitter. It was a combined no-hitter. No, it doesn't count. Does two count. No. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Doesn't All right. I'm not going to take this from non-baseball fans. I, I'm a baseball fan. That's I have MLB a, the show. A, so, 21. Bad asterisk. All right. Oh, we threw a dual hitter with 10 pitchers. You Great. threw it with two. You threw it with two. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's relax a little bit. Christian Yelich still firing. The Brewers offense still firing. I mean, can't really say enough about that. Red's yeah, falling apart. What is batting average up to? 260. He's brought up like, like 40 points. Jeez. In like yeah, a month. Yeah. So... Wow. Christian now Christian Yelich playing MVP level baseball or play not MVP level baseball but playing more back to his All self. Stars. The power is not there, but the contacts there, the on base is there. You've got other guys providing the power. Like I said, if this Brewers team 
they are that good where they are a legitimate World Series contender. Depending on which power rankings you look at, they're three or four, number three or four in baseball. They've played really good against the NL West all year. They played really good on the road. This team is legitimate, as I've said since we started this segment, as I've said since we started the podcast. Which, by the way, guys, hats off to us. If somebody were to have conceived a baby the night that we that started means recording, have sex. they conceived a baby the night that we started recording, that baby would be born now. We're at nine months of this recording. So if any of you did do that, if you have a root for Wisconsin baby, you got to let us know. Yeah, you, we will do something special for you guys. So hats off to that real quick. But that is what it's brewing with, Eric. Man. Justin, what do you got for the Badger Report? Big win for the football team this weekend. I would use a big win very shortly. It wasn't impressive. It wasn't um, inspiring. It wasn't anything. I thought it was lackluster. Uh, they didn't show much. So it was very vanilla. Um, the, the, the biggest part of the game was uh, a couple big runs by the Badgers running backs. Uh, Chaz Malusi was, was pretty stout from the start. He was almost over a hundred yards within the first quarter. Um, we got to see Jalen Berger. That was, uh, a, a nice addition. I think he got up the close to 15, 15 carries for 75 yards or so. And then Isaac Garendo just, he, uh, he lit up an 82 yard speed burner where the, the analytics say that he got up to 24 miles an hour running the ball, uh, on that 82 yard sprint. So, uh, the defense absolutely stout was, was the, the shining spark of the team again. They're still not playing with their stud middle linebacker and Chanel. Um, they they sat out Fayon Hicks, their cornerback. So uh, to shut out a team, I think there was a stat they had 16 yards in the fourth quarter, 16 total yards through the first three quarters, which is amazing. And we're talking about Eastern Michigan, who's not a very, uh, you know stout program, but they are a, a bowl, a, a bowl contending team. Everyone's um, a bowl contending team. Well, I mean, they're, they're a 500 to a seven and five kind of team through the Mac. So it's, uh, you could, you could certainly do worse in non-con, put it that way. You could be like whoever it was playing Bethune Cookman or Alabama playing North Carolina state. I am G Mercer. playing Bishop Sycamore. Oh wait. Oh yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> so you, you you could definitely do worse. Um, so it, it's a nice win. They didn't show much in the passing game as Mertz only allowed or was allowed to throw the ball 17 times. Chase Wolf, um, the backup QB comes in in the in the start of the fourth quarter and throws a 98-yard interception return for Eastern Michigan, which gives them their only touchdown of the game. Sounds like so another Wisconsin quarterback. He got his ass pulled right out of out, and Mertz went back in. So, <laughs> uh, all in all, it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't too inspired by it. They didn't show a lot. It seems like they're saving a lot for the Notre Dame game in two weeks, and there's not going to be a lot to talk about next week. I believe they have the week off. They so. do. 
so that's kind of what's going on. And the, the Jalen Berger story has kind of been uh, quiet and he's ready to just kind of take his lumps and move on. And, and it looks like it's going to be a, um, a backfield of, of shared carries between him and Malusi. So that's exciting to see. Uh, they did still do the, the uh, switcheroonie, uh, the road, the hockey lineup change with the, with the offensive line, which I did not like. It, it, it's just not working. Um, so all in all, not, not a very inspiring game. Not, you know, nothing that makes you think that they're going to go in and, you know, blow the doors off of Notre Dame or anything like that. So they've got a lot of work to do over the next two weeks. All right. Ramsey's radar time. And Ramsey, you've been pretty good at the whole uh, long-term predictions here. I'm really going to hold your feet to the fire. I want one, at least one, hot take that you have for this week. It is a hot take. I would like to talk about Baker Mayfield for a second. Okay. So does everyone remember how in the entire podcast I've always talked about how Baker Mayfield is not an elite quarterback? And then there was someone in the room that always goes, oh, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, you saw what Baker Mayfield is not an elite quarterback. The difference between Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield is the outcome of the end of that game where Baker Mayfield threw a really bad interception driving down the field with potential game-winning drive. And that is where you see the difference between the Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott's of the world to where the Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson's, Aaron Rodgers even is at that point that those guys are on a different level. So that's why I always say that even Cleveland's kind of telling you that with not extending them already. So that is my, I guess I'm going to gloat a little bit because I think that that kind of proves my point a little bit that he's not that elite guy that I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a top half. Yeah. So I'm going to say somewhere between 12 and 15 probably. He's probably not quite a top-down quarterback. I do think he's going to have a very good year. And I think you watch the Cleveland Browns. That team is really good. That defense is stout. Baker Mayfield's numbers are probably going to look pretty good this year. But he's not quite to that level where he's going to be able to elevate a team over a team that's slightly better than his. So is there a, is there a hot take prediction in there? I think the Browns are going to have a good season. I guess that's a hot take. I just wanted to gloat a little bit about that. Uh, do you think they're going to win the AFC North? Yes. They have the best There's roster. I think the Cleveland Browns have the best roster in that division. I watched Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's yeah. good. Pittsburgh is going to have some problems, though, because when it starts getting a little cooler out, and especially them playing in the North, they're not going to be able to pass the ball like they did against Buffalo. That's, you know, when you have a really speedy outside receivers, that doesn't necessarily translate in cold weather the way it traditionally does. Watching Baltimore right now, Baltimore is a good team. They're a playoff team. I don't really think that they're a division winner. And then Cincinnati is another good team. They're on the rise. I watched quite a bit of that Viking game. Cincinnati looks good. Um, Joe Burrow looks fluid. fluid. Uh, Joe Mixon's a stud. Offensive line looked well. The team looked well coached. I would say that. So I think Zach Taylor and Cincinnati has been doing a good job. But I think Cleveland, out of everyone I watched, I watched every team of the AFC, or AFC North now. 
Cleveland's by far the best roster. All right. Any other predictions, hot takes here, buddy? I don't think so. What about NASCAR? What about NASCAR? Who's going to win? You know, I said Brad Kozlowski a little while ago. I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. I thought that he was going to be a fine speed. Uh, I thought he was going to be a contender this past weekend. Um, he wasn't. Uh, honestly, I think it was a terrible race. It was okay. It's a Richmond race. Richmond's always... Uh, it's, Richmond's a good track, but every... They race... They used to race there twice a year. They no, still do. Still twice. Um, but it's a track that can kind of just be, it is what it is. That's kind of what it was. Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs is just better than everyone between, uh, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin and Martin Chooks Jr. And even Kyle Busch there for a while, they all were just better than everyone else. Chase Elliott had that uh, issue on the pit road, which I think he would have been a contender. He finished, ended up finishing sixth. That's the team you gotta watch out for too. If you can get a win here, I think he's gonna need one not this round, but the round of eight. I think he's gonna need a win to advance. But yeah, I don't know. I think honestly, if you had to put, if you had to, if I had to bet, I think Denny Hamlin probably is the guy to beat this year. Yeah, and that's he's been the most consistent speed because even Kyle Larson, I know he has a million playoff points and what's five wins this year. Yep. I think Denny Hamlin's been more consistent, and I like Denny's odds at Phoenix better than I do Kyle Larson. Because even Phoenix and Richmond are similar racetracks. They run similar. Mm-hmm. So I would probably have and to Hamlin, guess. He led, Hamlin led the most laps in that race, didn't he? Yeah, he had the best car. It just happened to be that um, I believe Martin Chooks Jr. right there at the end short-pitted. And just made up just enough time over Denny Hamlin to keep that little bit of margin between the two of them. Would you keep that race as a playoff race? No. Okay. I like. Yeah, I just don't. You know, you know when you look at the race and you look at the final standings, and you you've got what nine guys, ten guys left on the lead lap. And then you've got the 15th place car is two laps down. That just really kind of makes it a, a tough race I mean, to watch. Richmond is fine. Richmond's a fine race. It's just I don't necessarily think. I like what they've done so far. This first round has been what? It's uh, Darlington, Richmond, and for that Kansas this weekend. So this weekend will be at my app just went away. This is not good. Embarrassing. I should know this. You really should. This weekend they'll be at Bristol. Oh, Bristol night. That's a fun round. I, I don't know if I'd have Richmond in there. I also don't think I'd have Phoenix be the championship race. I would like to see the championship right. race. I think Homestead. Homestead should go back to being a playoff race. So I'd put Homestead in and pull Richmond out. But because yeah. I think Homestead's honestly usually one of the best races of the year. All the guys love the track. And it's just I get why it's in the schedule where it is, but I think if I had if you had to 
Send me down. I think I'd subtract Richmond at Homestead in there. I think I would pull the Charlotte Motor Speedway road course. That's where I would pull. I wouldn't for the fact NASCAR is trying to focus more on road course racing. And even going forward in the next coming years, they're trying to add more road courses. And that's kind of more... That's the way NASCAR is going. They're obviously never going to be like a road course racing series. But they're going to try to add more road course races. They're going to try to add more road course, more short track, and get away a little bit from the mile and a half D ovals and the two mile super or speedways, not super speedways, I guess. So I think you need to have a playoff race at a road course, if not two. I wouldn't mind seeing Watkins Glen in the playoffs. Yes. Because Watkins Glen is usually a, it's a driver's track. So even if you want to swap out the Roval for Watkins Glen, I think that'd be good too. I mean, if I had my vote, I think I would I would let them race at Darlington all ten races, and it would be probably the most entertaining playoffs you'll ever see, and also the least but, attended. And Denny Hamlin would be the only one that wins. Well, maybe, but I agree. <laughs> Denny Hamlin ten weeks in a, a row. That's the best racetrack. In all of NASCAR, in my... I, I have to agree. I love Darlington. It's beautiful, especially like, in the fall race when they go there and it gets dark a little sooner. You have that. It, it's just, there's a look to it that, it, it's just cool. I, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a cool race. It's racetrack. so racy. It's, it's like a, a lane and a half of, of racing. So you really, it really puts the driver's talent uh in the car on 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 factor you know it's not like well we'll go to a we'll go to a, a mile and a half if we just have the fastest car you know if we have all the money and we have the fastest car we'll be up there at least in the top five which is basically what nascar has been over the last five to ten years and now switching it to the kind of schedule that they have you you, you really see the talent in the driver showing up. So I, I applaud him. I just, Darlington's one of a kind. I would say this to watch out for that new car next year. That should, in my opinion, what I think is going to happen. And I guess I have no evidence to back this, but I would say the top, your main charter teams. So Hendrick, Gibbs, Penske, um, even RCR, Roush, Roush probably Trackhouse. About those like six teams or so, you're gonna see those six probably even out quite a bit more than we have in the past. Because right, even this mm -hmm. year, Penske has been kind of irrelevant, aside from a few races here, a few races there, and it's pretty much been Gibbs versus Hendricks. And that's kind of what it's been for the past few years. Where it's either Stuart Haas or Hendrick or Gibbs versus whatever other team you want to put out there. And I think with that new car coming out, it's going to even those teams out just enough that you're going to mm -hmm. see a very driver-focused. I think the best drivers are going to win a lot next year. Yeah. So I'm going to end this segment uh, with, with, a, with a coach tall hot take, Eric. Are All you right. ready for this? This I, one is I am a, ready for both. I, I'm, like I said, before we even got in the episode, I warned our viewers and our listeners that this episode was only going to get worse from that point. That was at 16 minutes, so 
so far we're doing pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty pleasantly surprised where we're at, but uh, I am very curious what's going to uh, happen this uh, next hour or whatever we end up going here. So let her rip, Justin. Here it begins. My my Ramsey's Ramrod's hot take is Ross Chastain is going to win a race before the end of the year. I'm telling you right now, he has been racing lights out. He's been a top five car over the last three weeks. I think he's finally figuring that car out, Ramsey. I think he's going to win a race before the end of the year. I don't disagree. I just want to see the races in front of me before I... Bristol. I had him up just a second ago. Bristol. He's not winning Bristol. Las Vegas. Not going to win Vegas. Talladega. Not going to win Talladega. The Roval. Not going to win the Roval. Texas. Not going to win Texas. Kansas. Not going to win Kansas. Martinsville. And then Phoenix. See, I like him better on the mile and a half than I like him anywhere else, Ram Jam. Yeah, but he hasn't necessarily performed really well in the mile and a half. Like, he's pretty, he performed really well at Darlington. He's performed pretty well in the road courses all year. And he's performed pretty well in the short tracks. I'd say where he's probably performed the worst all season. And I, I don't obviously have his numbers in front of me. But I would say the mile and a half are probably where he's going to struggle the most. Maybe Kansas. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't see a non-playoff driver winning the rest of the way, I guess. I don't, what you've said, I don't necessarily disagree with. I just don't see it verse. I don't see him beating Denny Hamlin. I don't see him beating Kyle Larson. I don't see him beating Chase Elliott. Right. I do think he's figured it out. That's a hot take. I think that he's going to, I think next year's going to be a big year for him. I think Trackhouse is definitely going the right way. Daniel Suarez had a lot of speed earlier this year. And he kind of had, there was a few, uh, I think his crew chief got ejected two or three times. And that yeah. was, uh, it's kind of been derailed ever since then. But that's, uh, there's worse takes in the world. So let's get to them. It's the Green Bay Packers time. And the title of this episode is going to be the Green Bay Packers poop the bet against the Saints. And really, aside from maybe one or two guys here and there. It was a very, very lackluster game all the way around. Um, I think the best performance probably came from Melton Jenkins or the punter. Maybe Jair Alexander, because you really didn't hear his name much. Anything else was pretty, pretty bad. And I think that's saying it very lightly. Um... I do go back, and Justin, I know you weren't really part of the show here yet. I'm curious what you guys blame the most on yesterday happening um, to start with. So I'll let you guys go right into it and, and kind of go from there. So, Justin, the biggest flaw or fault that you saw in, in that just brutal ass-kicking that came against the Saints. Well, I think the thing that I'm going to say is one thing tied into the other. Uh, I think for me, uh, clearly the biggest thing that hurt them uh, was not getting off the field on third down. Um, They had multiple opportunities. Um, I think they ran, I think for a stat there, I think they only ran like 11, 12 plays through a quarter and a half. Um, So they just could not get off of the field after third down 
And I thought the biggest part of that was the pass rush, which was non-existent. And when it was, it was two, two seconds too late. So though the, that would be my biggest takeaway from it was, uh, was, was not being able to get, you know, the thing that's plagued them for four or five years now, we can't get off the field on third down. Ramsey. I know you're not going to agree with this when I say it. I, I think the off season and not even the fact I, I wouldn't necessarily say Aaron Rodgers is off season. I think the way the Packers and Aaron handled the off season as a whole, I think look like it kind of led into that because I, I don't necessarily, like I, I said, I, I kind of want to be careful. I say it cause it's going to not really, I'm not going to, it's not gonna come out right. I don't think the Packers organization, the front office, handled the offseason correctly. I don't think Aaron Rodgers handled the offseason correctly. And then you can't just show up and expect everything to be fine. Because no matter what everyone says around the facilities, no matter what the players say, Aaron is still your quarterback. And I would go on a limb and say there's guys that still don't trust him 100%. Really? And I would didn't it kind of look like that the offense was kind of off sync. I I would agree with you. I think there's yep. a different rationale for that, but but I even at the back of your mind, you're gonna be like, is Aaron really there for us, or did he just kind of come back because that's what he does? And I when Aaron kind of said back at the beginning of training camp when he was like, oh, I'm fifty fifty in retirement. If I was Aaron's wide receiver and I heard him say that, I would be like, so you don't really want to be here to try to win a Super Bowl? You were kind of just thinking about quitting on the team after last year's NFC Championship game where you didn't necessarily play well? That would have an effect on me. I don't necessarily want to speak for everyone else on the team. Maybe I'm just kind of projecting stuff. But I would definitely think that that's a case where, you know, you're looking around the facility, you're like, well, Jordan Love's been here every day. Aaron just kind of walks in, and now we expect to be everyone's happy together. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. I don't, and again, that's that might not be 100% accurate, but that's what it looked like to me yesterday. Because the offense didn't yeah. help the defense on at all. Like The defense was basically playing catch-up right from the start, pretty much. Because what the first three possessions were, do we even get a first down? Um, there was one first down on the first drive. I there, think there was there, the first play on the second drive was a first down, and then it was three and out. I don't remember the third drive. But so the first few drives, though, they were short. The time of possession at half was like it was what the disparity in the time of possession was awful. And you can't just necessarily put your defense out there without having consequence for that amount of time. And that's the defense. The defense looked gas, and the offense looked out rhythm. And I guess, so who is to blame for that? I guess I would probably start up front with Matt LaFleur. I don't think Matt LaFleur had those guys ready to play. I don't think Aaron, I think Aaron's mentally all there. I don't necessarily know if everyone buys into Aaron being their guy, though. Interesting. I'm going to go, and I, I said this earlier in the episode, I, I, I tr- at this point, I truly do think that the front office is the one of the bigger reasons for yesterday. Um, 
just like I said, you can't. I, I'm still amazed at the fact that they just thought that they could run this back and everything would be hunky dory. I at this point, I, I'm convinced that they were the majority of the drama causers with this off season because someone had to leak that story. Aaron's been pretty, and, and this is just you know kind of playing everything at the surface. Aaron's been pretty outspoken to this point since he's been back in town that he was not the one and nobody in his camp were the ones that leaked the story. I'm pretty convinced at this point that it was the Green Bay Packers front office that did this to leak the story out beginning as early as draft day, if not a little earlier than that. I, See, but what does Green Bay have to gain from that, though? They get the fans to, to be Packer fans instead of a guy that they might trade. I think you could trade Aaron, though, and if Jordan Love could play, it wasn't an issue. Like, I don't think Green Bay has anything to gain. You lose trade value on Aaron Rodgers? I don't know what the deal is. I, that's that's, that's kind of what I'm saying in this whole thing is just, I don't get it. And then just in the sense that, like I said, they, they bring it back. The coaching staff looks so, on both sides of the ball, looks so under or overwhelmed. The offensive line got just the shit pounded out of them. And to the point, even with the coaching staff, where Matt LaFleur kept running empty set after empty set when they're down, even down 10, it was empty set after empty set, and you're sitting there, okay, well, what the hell's going on here? We're not even going to camouflage it. We're going to run the ball. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers forced to play hero ball, which he's done time and time again to this point. And yesterday they were prepared for it. They dropped five, six guys in the box, they target that in that right side of the line with Turner, Patrick, and Newman. And they're just letting them pin their ears back. It's kind of the same thing that happened against Tampa Bay. You brought pressure to the weak spots of the line. And they got exposed. They couldn't get the run game going. Aaron Jones had nine carries yesterday. Right. Rodgers had 15. What do you end up with? 15 passes at one point in the game. I don't remember what his even final numbers were, but it wasn't good. Had the two interceptions, which I'm pretty sure this is the first time in his career he's ever had more interceptions than touchdowns in a season. Granted, it's one game in, but whatever. I would say, and this is honest, what happened to me yesterday. I would say for the past about 10 years, I have watched every single Packer game. And it's kind of been a point in my life. to I, I might have missed one here or there due right. to travel or whatever. But I've pretty much watched every single Packer game. Yesterday was one of the only times that I stood up and turned it off in the middle to the end of the third quarter. Because I'm like, I can't. This is stressing me out too much. I just turned it off and walked away. It's, yeah. I just could not watch. And that was embarrassing. And Justin, you got, you got to miss my, my awesome anti-Kevin King rant. It didn't even matter at that point in the game. It didn't matter. The, you know, we, Twitter went pretty nuts with the, the missed or the, the awful interpretation of that roughing the passer call, it didn't matter. There was other penalties that were happening at that point in the game that, that were going uncalled. It didn't matter. Well, I, w- I would argue that the roughing the passer call did matter because at that point it was 17-3 to yet, and the Packers end up intercepting the ball with a shot yet to kind of get themselves back in the game if the interception stands. So that would be the only other argument I would have. I mean, we we could sit here, we could talk about whether it's, you know, who released the story and Aaron Rodgers having a, a 
uh, a thing to, against the Packers and he's just going to do I don't believe or care about any of that stuff in, in reality. I think it's a team that is breaking in a new defensive coordinator that himself got embarrassed yesterday, didn't really get to play all of his starters all preseason long. You're talking about offense that hasn't played any of their starters all preseason long. I, I think there was rust and you played a team that wasn't rusty. I think that was a factor. I don't think that was the only factor, but it was a factor. Uh, and, and and I believe, I believe, I have no idea what they're doing on the offensive line and why John Runyon is not out there starting. And we have Lucas Patrick in a fourth-round rookie when John Runyon proved last year that he was so capable of of pushing for a starting position in the regular five. Uh, I thought Josh Myers was played like a rookie at uh, at, at center. And I thought the offensive line said, but I think the big, you know, honestly, I think the biggest thing was was the uh, was the pass rush was non-existent. It was excellent. It was, it was horrible. The pass rush on the defensive side of the ball and on, like I said, the offensive line just getting manhandled on the on their side right. of the ball. It was the front. The two biggest core. factors. And and really, you know, I talked about this. I wasn't even mad. Like I mean, granted, I wasn't happy about the game yesterday. I'm not too worried about this team going forward. I, I think they bounce back against the Lions, and we'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a few moments. But as a whole, not too worried about this team. I think the part that bothers me the most, and, and I don't know why this bothers me so much, is just, and it's part of being a fan, so I, I'm going to maybe out myself and sound a little too hoity-toity here. I was so mad at, like, Packers Facebook and Twitter yesterday. And it, it all really, I mean, I know it all comes back to the quarterback, and, and it's so easy to toss darts that way yep. after how the game went yesterday. But just I'll tell you what, I, I agree. I'm, when it comes to that, I, I, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm a little bitch when it comes to being a Packer fan. I, I'm pissing and moaning. I'm not happy. I'm calling everybody out. And then when you take a second and you breathe and you actually kind of realize and, and, and listen, you kind of come away from, and, from and the noose a little I'm kind of glad you bring that up, the, the, the preseason thing up, Justin, because I would say this. There are people talking about, and like I said, the, the Packer fans bothered me probably the most yesterday. Anybody who thinks that Aaron Rodgers needs to play preseason is a moron. Straight up. I'm, I'm going to say it. The offensive line should have played together at some point this preseason. I will say that. They need just chemistry. They needed reps. They needed snaps. They need to get the rust off. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, at this point even probably Bob Tunyon, they don't. MVS for this, you know, for that matter too. Not playing in the preseason was not the reason that they didn't play that good yesterday. Yeah, but you can't tell I me though that that I would don't have agree. I don't agree with that take at all. Yeah, I, at all. I don't necessarily think the preseason is necessary, but Aaron also wasn't around all offseason. and you need to have some snaps with your quarterback. And practice snaps and game snaps, as you know, are two completely different things. Sure, I, I like I said. Does missing OTAs hurt? Probably. That that's not. But playing in preseason games, 
Hurts way less. Aaron Rodgers hasn't played a preseason game in, what, three, four years now? He won MVP last year. Right. I'm not saying that, but Aaron was also around for yeah, OTAs He's played at least years. a quarter. He didn't play a single preseason snap last year. But he was around all summer last yeah, year, Yeah, that's, that's uh, missing OTAs probably hurts. And that's, that's kind of what I look at. The timing was off yesterday. And I don't think the offensive line being as young as it is without David Bakhtiari helps. That is the biggest factor. But then, we go, but then we go back to the whole offseason, going back to the front office. Why don't we re-sign the Pro Bowl center? We knew David Bakhtiari wasn't coming back, but we decided to throw money at Kevin King, but we don't want to resign Corey Lindsley, who resigned for just a little bit more. I don't remember exactly what his numbers were. But I believe it was $10 million a year. We had the money to re-sign Corey Lindsley. We just chose not to bring him back. So that's kind of the issue, I guess, you're looking at, that some of that shit's self-induced, too. Because like I've said before, I did not... I don't think you pay a running back before you pay your Pro Bowl center. There's only so many elite centers in the league, and I don't think Corey Lindsay was necessarily elite, but he was in that next tier right below that. You pay those guys. Well, and, and you guys know how strongly I felt about bringing Aaron Jones back. I still think it ultimately is going to end up being a good move. I don't know if it was, you know, what, what you said, the right move, because I do see your side of that. When, with Aaron Jones, though, all I said, my, I did want him back. But I also said, if you're not going to bring him back, you need to draft somebody who is exactly like him to play that similar role. Packers got that in Kylan Hill. Not saying Kylan Hill's the next Aaron Jones. I'm not trying to run Aaron Jones out of town. Right. But you need that type of back. And Kylan Hill, to this point, and it's been three weeks of preseason and training camp and then half of a game yesterday where he really didn't do too, too much and and it didn't even matter at that point anyway when he was in the game. Kylan Hill's that same kind of back. I don't want to necessarily say, hey, Aaron Jones, you know, hit the road because, you know, you only get one of those types of backs not once in a generation. That's, that's a little extreme. But when you get a top caliber back, it's hard to find. But you can get a lot of good out of above average running backs. The NFL, for the most part, though, has moved away from the running back. Even in the league right now, right. how many elite running backs are there truly? Probably three or four. Three. That's it. And Aaron Jones is in that category. No, and that's, like I said, am I trying to run the guy out of town? No. Do I like the fact that they brought him back? Yes. Because even we're watching Baltimore right now. This is Baltimore's. Like seventh string running yeah, back. They had, what, three running third, backs? He's the third. He's the fourth. They had three, two ACL tears and a torn. Um, Achilles. Achilles. Achilles, yeah. So this is technically their first string running back, and this kid has what, almost 100 yards. Probably almost 100 yards. So that's running backs in general are just a dime a dozen. Pro Bowl centers are not. No, I absolutely agree. Like I said, if you're not going to sign Aaron Jones, you need to get someone who plays the exact same style. For all intents and purposes, they did. And they got the best of both worlds right now. Like I said earlier in the show, <laughs> I said they didn't run the ball at all yesterday. Well, they didn't. Which, again, is a... Well, they could have. They could have ran they the ball yesterday. They couldn't they, run the ball. They, they could have attempted right. to run. That's what I mean. But, yeah, they... Yeah. Paying running back they a bunch of money. Literally. Right. So, to I run nine times. 
And that's nine the other times. thing. I, I do ten million dollars to run nine times. I agree with Eric. I think this is kind of a little bit of overaction Monday. Oh, one hundred percent. I do think the Packers are going to get the wheels back on the ground, moving in the right direction, more so than sure. I don't. But that's embarrassing coming out like that, and even to like have to look at other Packers fans and be like, "Hey, what the hell happened yesterday?" I think. I think it's even more embarrassing because you're talking about um, New Orleans and the situation that they're kind of going through with the instability of of where they are and where they're practicing and and where their home games are being played. And, you know, they're moving families all over um, to, to Dallas. They're practicing in Dallas, but they're playing home games in Jacksonville. And, you know, all that kind of stuff is, it's not a very solid situation. And to be boat raced like they were, basically embarrassed um, right off the field to where you're not playing Aaron Rodgers with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter is, it's embarrassing. I think that's that's the biggest embarrassment of it. Like, how do you not have your shit together when these guys have their shit together. I would say this, though. I was a pretty big supporter of Jameis Winston when he left Tampa Bay. James, he went to the perfect situation for him. But he looked good yesterday. He did. He looked competent. So We can see now. That's, that's a big deal. He can well, see now. And Bruce Arians probably wasn't great for Jameis either. But he looked competent. I'll give Jameis Winston that. He played. He did what was asked of him. And that's more than I, a lot of people thought that you were going to be able to get from him. Yeah. No, because the big talk last offseason was going to be how much is Taysom Hill going to kind of take hold of the situation and take the Saints hostage for. Yeah, and I like I said, Jameis Winston, that team looked as good with Jameis Winston as it did with Drew Brees at the end of last year. There's no not, not a doubt in my mind. I'd even almost say probably higher higher ceiling. They didn't even have Michael Thomas running routes yesterday. Yeah. Nope, that's not not an accident. So I guess ultimately with we, how we wrap this show up here, I can we all agree? I mean, I don't think it's probably going to go without saying that we all probably agree that this big bounce back week against Detroit, right? Like I said off air, I, if Green Bay comes out and lays an eight against Detroit, that wouldn't shock me. I would not bet on that. But if I didn't watch the game on Monday for whatever reason, I woke up Tuesday morning and I saw Green Bay lost a tight game to Detroit. I wouldn't be shocked. Justin? Um, I think Green Bay finds a way to figure out the run game and, and will tinker with the offensive line. I think the bigger question is, is what they're going to do about the pass rush and Joe Barry's kind of vanilla defense that was predicated on blitzing and, and kind of the same zone scheme in the back end that Petten had, but a little more blitzing. Uh, you just didn't see it. It, it wasn't very impressive. Um, and it felt almost worse than it was last year. So I think that will be the thing that I'm watching the most is, is what's going on with this defense. See, I, I guess I'm maybe the hopeful optimistic here. I don't see a reason on paper anyway as to Green Bay not coming just kick, you know, boat racing the Lions. 
Yeah, and, and maybe said that though about. And maybe that just you know not you know maybe trying to be too positive, but comparison to how negative everything else has been the last twenty six hours, twenty seven hours to this point of recording. But like I said, I just I can't see a situation where the game's really even all that close. I mean, San Francisco did a pretty good job, and they only ended up winning by eight, but they did a pretty good job of manhandling Detroit for most of that game. I feel like that'll be a very similar type situation to this weekend, especially with Joe Barry coaching against Jared Goff, who saw him, you know, was very familiar with him in practice with coaching on the Rams staff. I don't think Detroit has anywhere close to the amount of talent that Green Bay has. And that's after me saying in the early part of the episode that I don't think Green Bay is as talented as everyone kind of thought, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so with that all said, I guess I'm going to be the hopeful optimistic here and, and just kind of go back to what I've been saying since the offseason. Yes, I hate the fact that they didn't bring anybody in other than Devontae Campbell. They decided to run it back with a bunch of retreads and, and just keep everybody the same. But at the same time, Detroit's Detroit. Green Bay's still the king of this division till they're not. Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks in football till he's not. I'm not betting against them at this point. So that's where I'm at on Monday night prediction. Well, all right. <laughs> all right. So with that, any parting thoughts here, Green Bay Packers-wise? Figure it out defensively. Get Kevin King off the field. You might as well play Eric Stokes because it ain't going to get much worse. That's the truth. Oh, no, that is a big-time consensus that you missed very early in the show, Justin. Um, I... I I wanted, I, and you'll hear it when, when we drop the episode, but I wanted to, to dump on Kevin King yesterday so bad. But if the front office hands me $6 million and I know I suck, I'd sign that contract right. too. And that's another just yeah, another I, failure of this front office right now. So. Right, yeah, you just got to figure. I mean, come on. How, how do you not, how do you not just, play the rookie and be done with it. And not even not play him. I mean, if, if Kevin King earns that job in camp, whatever, Kevin King didn't practice at all in camp. He walked into the two corner spot. And I think, like I said, I think Eric Stokes only played a handful of snaps yesterday. So you didn't even give the guy a chance to perform. He had one pass break up on that last drive of the game for the saints prior to the, the kneel downs. I mean, he. I mean, granted, yes, it's garbage time, but he he looked competent at the point where he was playing. He didn't really have that bad of a preseason. He wasn't like lighting the world on fire where he was going to take over Jair's job by any means. But he looked competent. Well, at least he had some more athleticism on that side of the ball. Speed, because that's what they looked like they were missing yesterday. They looked Speed. like they were slow. Yeah, that team looked slow mm-hmm. yesterday, which. I get rust. Yeah, not the rust off. And to be honest, a lot of teams didn't necessarily look great. There was a lot of contenders who looked bad this weekend. It yeah. wasn't just the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay obviously looked the worst. Yeah. But even Buffalo didn't look necessarily great. 
I think Minnesota is a better team than they showed against Cincinnati. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay in a win. Yeah. Tampa Bay is a better team than what they showed Thursday night. Don't you think? I mean. Yeah, no, I think Tampa Bay is probably the best team in football right now. I do think Dallas, though, is going to put up a lot of points this year. I think Dallas made a lot of close games because that offense is really good. Because they got Dak back. He's the man. He's a he's well worth the contract. <laughs> well, let's, let's see, not get let's too carried away. Let's, yeah. let's get him to win some games first. In his last, what, he's, 10 starts? He almost won that game. Almost if it wasn't for a, shoes and hand a, cheap, a, a, cheap, a cheap Tom Brady rule with the push-off. He wouldn't have won. You mean he was getting held before that, though, Justin? That was no, defensive pass interference, if anything. Not even close. Yes. It was offensive push job. But do you call that right Brady there? Rule. That was at the you end of the game? You know it's the Tom Brady effect. At the Tom end. Brady gets whatever he wants. He might as well own the NFL. He should. He'd be better than the fucking commissioner they have now. And at least we know Tom Brady can build a Super Bowl roster. That says more than what Green Bay's front office can do. Oh, nice. Maybe he'll come be the, you know, president. He should. He'll replace Murphy. I'll, I'll buy him a beer every fucking night. Me and Tom will go drink beers down at the plank road. <laughs> Me and Tommy B, baby. I go, oh, I guess it'll be avocado ice cream. Me and Tommy uh, chug an avocado, avocado ice cream. Avocado snow, snow pies. Yeah. Me and Tom. <laughs> All right, boys. So with that, we look at the week ahead coming up here. And obviously, we'll all be talking about Green Bay Packers next week. So with that, what are we rooting for this week, boys? Well, Bristol Knights always a good race. That's always one of the highlights of the NASCAR season, Saturday night. Uh, you know, college football has been pretty entertaining so far this year. There's been a lot of... Fuck yeah. There, and I think that's something that's interesting, too, is that there's a lot of parody in college football right now. Oh, yeah. Well, there's not a lot of parody, but You're everyone outside upsets. of Alabama. You're seeing a lot of contenders who maybe we thought they were going to be better than they have been, or maybe they, you know, that's the kind of the beauty of college football is you can see a team like Ohio State lose early. And granted, they played a very good Oregon team that maybe maybe a little underranked. Yeah. But... You can see that kind of thing happen so early in the season. It just has such a big impact on and the landscape of the game. You saw uh, Notre Dame go down, or almost did. Did they? They lost. Oh, no, right? they beat Toledo. Jake no, Cohen drew a touchdown pass. That's right. That's right. They they almost lost. Jack Cohen uh, got his finger put back in place. You just called touchdown. him Jake Cohen. Yeah, because he's not worth me remembering his real name. Whoo. <laughs> Fucking bum. But he's he, actually been lights out. He's been yeah. Why, so, so can someone explain to me this? Why do we always overreact to Notre Dame games? They beat Florida State, who's obviously not very good, and they barely beat Toledo. Florida State lost to Jacksonville State that's on that, what, that last second. Then did you see the guy proposing to his girlfriend after it? Yeah. Oh my God! That's what I'm saying. You know though. the like, situation, dude. Read the room. Read the room. <laughs> yeah, but if you already had planned out, you were supposed to beat Jackson State, dude. You got to do it at like a. You got to do it somewhere else, man. You, you got to do that for the Badger game, or like the like. You got to do that somewhere else. Do it at the spring game when you're not gonna lose. That's true. Uh, that's that's fair. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess that's not. All right, yeah, all right. I get it. Yeah, I did see that. That was that made me laugh a lot. But regardless, there's a noogie. Yeah, I forgot about that. No, I, I kind of agree with Ramsey. I mean, but at the same time, they're the same thing. It's kind of like Duke and Kentucky in basketball. Until until they lose that that big game, they're always going to be relevant because they've got all the money. They've got the TV. They're you know exclusive TV deal just, with NBC. I don't understand it. They've not been relevant in 15 years. Ooh, I don't know about that. They man. have not been relevant in 15 years. They haven't. You are relevant. If you are a playoff team, you are relevant. Yeah, but they've got boat race. They've made the. It does it? It does matter. It does. It matters. You can't just go to the relevant. You can go to the playoff game. They're relevant, but they play a weak schedule. They play an ACC schedule. Would you say Oklahoma is relevant? Yeah. Okay. But Oklahoma looks good when they play on the national stage, whereas Notre Dame. The last <laughs> Notre Dame goes to play in the playoffs gets boat raced. The one national title they got smacked by Alabama. Matt Taylor's girlfriend was dying of cancer and <laughs> just got smacked around by Bama. Warning, it's insensitive moment here. Insensitive Poor never Matt happened. Taylor. Yeah, she wasn't a real person. <laughs> You don't know that. I, yeah, I do. Some dude in a hotel room. She could have been real to him. Well, obviously she was. Uh, this show sucks. Like I said, this show to, did to everyone who's really listening to this point, I, I appreciate you. Where are we? Where Where are we in our... Hour and 20 and change. Oh, perfect time. Bye. Bye. So, hey, I didn't get to see what I'm rooting for. What are you rooting for, Justin? What am I rooting for? Well, I'm going to jump on Ramsey's bandwagon with uh, college football. And um, I haven't actually looked at any of the matchups this week. But it seems like every week there's there's one or two that are just lights out matchup. You know who's really surprisingly awesome to watch is Georgia. That defense is all over the place. That they, good. Uh, they have a legit. That looks like it. NFL defense there's, all over the there's place. There's nine or ten NFL players in that defense. Holy smokes, man. They are fun to watch. But other than that, other than college football, there's really not much else to watch or that is worth watching or that is important enough to watch that anybody really cares about. Justin, your your so game guess, that you're going to want to watch this week is going to be Alabama-Florida. I, it's the only t- uh, – nope, there's two games against ra- of ranked opponents. Three games, I lied. Uh, three games of ranked opponents. You're going to have Alabama-Florida, which Alabama's favored by 15 and a half. <laughs> and that's yeah. in Florida. You're going to have the Auburn-Penn State game, which should be good. That's Saturday night game of the week on ABC. Mm. Not a big um, believer in Brian Harson, the coach at Auburn. I think he's going to – Penn State's also. favored by six in that one. And then Arizona State-BYU – if you want to pull that late night game, that's another 19 oh, versus 23. Three and a half points for the Sun Devils. I, I always like those West Coast Pac-12 games. Oh, yeah. those are, They're yeah, usually entertaining. There's just some points that get thrown up. You know, yeah. have a couple I beers and like sit the, on the coach. The Mount, West, the Mount West games are a lot of fun to watch, too. But other than that, there's not really much else to watch. Nothing that nobody really cares about that that is worth anything. Right. Um, right. Right. So, 
probably the Bristol race uh, is probably what I'll uh, pay attention to. We got Nebraska, Oklahoma. Why is no one talking about Ooh, that? Because that game's not going to be any close. Nothing like watching Scott Frost get boat raced. I was about to say, Oklahoma's only favored fight. by 22. That's it? Maybe maybe Nebraska will fire his ass like USC fired Clay Helton. This, this I think I would take Oklahoma in the points in that one. What a dump USC's turn into. I don't understand why people think that. The guy is 46 and 20. Since 2016. No, He's I'm not. the Pac-12. I'm not saying. I, I think you should probably get rid of him because USC is a. USC boosters expect national titles, not Pac-12 championships. And sure. they're nowhere near that right now. Nope. Nope. I, I would tell you there's only, what, two teams, maybe three, traditionally over the last decade that are close to that. Clemson, Oklahoma, Bama. Are are the three, and you can you can make Ohio State four. You can make a case for Ohio State. You could maybe make a case that Georgia is is a a caliber team. You know they're always playing the SEC championship. They're running into Alabama. That's the problem. Yeah, can imagine if Nick Saban was in Alabama. Wasn't there the year it was Georgia and Alabama in the national championship? There game? was. Yeah. That was that Tua coming up party, was it not? Yeah, and I, Georgia was the better team that night, too. That was the crazy part. They just got all coached in the second half. Was that the Tua coming out party, or was that the last of the Jalen? Um, no, I think Jalen got benched. That, they brought right, Tua yeah. in at halftime because they were getting... I couldn't remember which one was Tua which. Tua got hurt, and then Tua got hurt, came out, came... Jalen Hurts came back out and won it. That's right. So, in case you guys are wondering what I'm rooting for this week. Is it the Brewers to clinch? It'll be the Brewers oh. to clinch. Oh, Central. shocker. I have a oh. feeling my gut you know says what? Saturday night. Hey, Ramsey, you know what we won't see? What's up? Is a no-hitter. <laughs> my gut says Saturday no-hitter. night. A no-hitter. A true... A true Brewers no hitter. Well, you never Not know. Like I said, there's an opportunity every single game. Well, right, no. Eric? Craig Council there will is. pull. He'll Ever. pull him. Craig Council will pull him. He, Maybe you know Adrian Houser will have you know twenty strikeouts and walk one guy, but you know he's thrown ninety six pitches, so we're saving him for the World Series that we've never gotten to. They got one, didn't they? They got to one in nineteen eighty two. Yeah, trying to get back to a second one. Yeah, Justin, they're going for number two. Oh, Jesus. We're, we're whole. Oh, my God. This makes it even worse. Give me a break. Yeah, trophies are not no hitter. Trophies are nothing. Are, trophies in the case, buddy. End this, end this show. All right. End this show. Throw the no hitter. <laughs> for Justin, <laughs> Ramsey, myself, Eric. This is episode 40 of the Root for Wisconsin show. We are out. We'll talk to you guys next week. The episode will come out on Wednesday because we'll record Tuesday night for all the Packers coverage for Monday Night Football, for the Brewers NL Central Championship, for all your latest NASCAR Packer football. Nothing on the Badgers this weekend. You'll hear here on the Root for Wisconsin show. We're out. See ya. Bye. Go Tigers. <laughs>